Welcome to Exodus, California. I'm your host, Joanne Kraft, and my husband, Paul, will be your co-host as we share our story about how we left California and made our home in the rolling hills of Tennessee. Exodus, California is a podcast for Californians who've had enough and are getting ready to pull the trigger and make that move out of a state they once loved. Welcome to Exodus, California, moving to Tennessee. I am your host, Joanne Craft, and I am here with my husband and co-host, Paul Craft. Hey, y'all. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts as investors, but also near and dear to the hearts of many Californians who are considering a move to Tennessee. The question that almost all of our clients are asking is, do I sell my California primary residence? Or do I keep it as a rental in California? And that's always a big question because the property in California is usually your biggest asset. And there's potentially a lot of equity tied up uh, in that asset, especially given the, the rise in real estate prices. So it is a huge question. What do I do with this, this home that I have? Thinking about renting it out, and you're looking at the rate of return you can get on rents uh, in California. So it's a huge question. It's something that you should consider very seriously. One of the things that so many Californians here, when they announce for the first time to their family or friends that they're thinking of moving to Tennessee, we've all heard this one. And it is, well, if you leave California, you can never afford to come back. That's kind of the point. I mean, nobody was looking to jump back on the Titanic when they got into the lifeboat. And so even for me, even for Paul and I, we actually wondered, is that a myth? Is that, you know, truth? And even when we came to Tennessee uh, in 2012, we kept our primary residence. Yeah, but we also didn't have the benefit of a great podcast hosted by two people who provided us with great information. So we had, uh, you know, better informed to make that tough decision. So had we had that, we probably would have done something differently. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let me walk you through a lot of the calls that we take from clients that are wanting to find real estate in California. How it usually happens is I will talk to the families in California and what they're going to say to me usually is, you know, we have enough money, enough equity in our home to purchase a secondary residence, not a primary residence, but a secondary residence while we're still here in California. But we're just wondering, should we do that or should we sell our California home and come out without having any kind of rental property and how that usually happens is I go, Hey, Paul, can you talk to these clients? Because they need to know some of the laws that are being passed to make it very problematic uh, to be a a landlord, quite frankly. Yeah. One of the things you have to take into account (laughs) is that California is, is not at all favorable to, to property owners, Uh, not even a little bit. And we're seeing that right now, especially in Alameda County, for example, where Oakland is, Alameda County still has COVID-19 restrictions on evictions in Alameda County. You still can't evict a tenant for COVID-related debt. And I saw a news story today about a a, uh, landlord who rents out half his duplex. It's part of his retirement. She hasn't paid rent in over three years. He's owed like $55,000 that he will never see. That tenant will walk away from that property. He will never see a dime of that money. And then that's how California treats landlords. So you have to understand that's the environment that you're operating in if you stay in California. So for those of us who maybe aren't as privy to the law as you are, didn't those people, those landlords, get some kind of uh, relief from the government? 
uh, kind of, sort of. They got some relief, but not complete relief. So the government did step in and say, well, pay rent, but only if the tenant qualifies. And if the tenant doesn't qualify, yes, you can still try to, to proceed, but Alameda County has a different set of restrictions in the state of California. So, for example, if you're in Sacramento County, you can go ahead and evict right now, just like you could before. If a tenant's not paying their rent, uh, then you can go ahead and evict just like you were able to before. But Alameda County still has restrictions in place. It's really just unfortunate the way that uh, the government looks at landowners in California. So, Paul, why don't you share with us a few of the laws that make it very difficult to be a landlord in California, laws that we don't have here in Tennessee. Sure. Well, let's just start with the financial aspects of it. So if you want to sell your property in California, back in the last mortgage meltdown, California passed a law that basically required the seller of the property to pay about three and a third percent uh, to the government on any sale of basically an investment property. There were some exceptions, but if it was a rental property, you had to pay this fee unless, again, there was an exception. And this was money the state of California is may or may not be owed. If the money's not owed, you can get it back if you apply for April 15th of the following year, but California's kept your money uh, and they give it back to you without interest and they have no legal reason to do so. And they've even ad admitted as much when the law was passed as a way to bridge their budget gap. Now that's going back 15 years. Well, if it's a law, they do have legal reason, don't they? No, you can pass a law without having legal reason or legal authority to do so. Okay. You can pass any law you want. It doesn't mean it's going to withstand <laughs> constitutional scrutiny. Those particular laws do, but again, they're, they admit they're not owed the money, or they may not be owed the money. They just go ahead and take it as a loan from you involuntarily, and then they'll give it back to you if it turns out that they're not owed it. Do you think uh, real estate agents in California are aware of this, and they're telling their clients this? I think so. I mean, the law's been around long enough that any agent that represents investors probably knows about it, any agent that's been around for a long time knows about it, probably because they got to the closing table and the seller realized they've got to pay three and a third percent, and they looked at their agent and said, well, I didn't know about that. And it, so now it's it's no longer as surprising. Is this only for investment properties, or is this primary residence? No, pre predominantly investments. But that, So that's where it started. 15 years ago, they realized they can get a chunk of the proceeds of the sale, and and everybody's going to be okay with it. Nobody's changed the law. The law's still on the books. Even though we came through the 0608 recession, that law's still on the books. It never goes away. So now fast forward 15 years later, and California's doing the same thing. Now they're coming after landowners. So there's been a lot of stuff in the news about you know Los Angeles City passing this new measure uh, at the ballot box. It passed with about 53% approval called the mansion tax. And so what that does is it's a tax on sales of $5 million or more, and then at $10 million, the rate changes. So if, if a house sells for five between $5 million and $10 million, that's a 4% tax on that sale. If it goes from $10 million and over, that's 5.5% tax. So a $5 million sale would be a $200,000 tax. $10 million would be $550,000. This tax is estimated to generate between $600 million and $1.1 billion annually. And the money's supposed to go for affordable housing and homelessness. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, gee, uh, they must need the money because apparently they're not spending anything on homelessness now. However, LA City currently spends in their budget $3 billion, that's billion with a B, over the next five years because of a court case that they settled. So now you have $3 billion on top of the $600 million to $1.1 billion annually. And then on top of that, in the most recent budget, 
LA County allocated another billion, that's right, $1 billion to combat homelessness. So all told, that's about $5 billion on homelessness. Now, if you're trying to do math in your head, you don't have to, I've done it for you. Uh, LA County or LA City has about 41,000 homeless people. That equates to $121,000 per homeless person per year. Now, if they reduce homelessness by 10,000, so it goes from 41,000 to 31,000, they aren't reducing the tax. They're still keeping that amount in place. So you have over $100,000 to support one homeless person based on these taxes, and that will never go away. Californians that are listening to this are already so frustrated about the homelessness and the and the transient population. I'm sure you telling them that just added more fuel to the fire. So if if you guys need a second cup of coffee to sit with that one, you know, that's on us. Well, but keep in mind, so the three and a third percent I talked about earlier, that predominantly applies to investment property. This LA city tax applies to residential that you live in as your primary residence and investment properties, any property over 5 million and 10 million. The point I'm getting at is they're starting to come after the owner occupied primary residence household. They're going to start at 5 and 10 million, makes a big splash, news all over the place. When they change the law a year from now to make it 4 million, and they change it three years from now to make it 2 million, nobody's going to hear about it, nobody's going to know. Then they reduce it down to a million. They will keep going until finally they get enough pushback and they stop. But this is just the first shot across the bow uh, coming after people's primary residences when they sell. Yeah, and that's just, that's so sad. So that's something that you don't have here in Tennessee. So is there any other laws that we need to know about before we talk about kind of what it looks like for those landlords out there who who may want to um, evict a tenant in California versus evicting one in Tennessee? Sure. So let's talk about the laws that are currently in place. So so before COVID, California passed rent control uh, that had caps on how much rent could go up. And then when COVID hit, you know, that modified it a little bit. Now we're back to pre-COVID laws and, and the rent control uh, laws are in place, which restrict how much you can raise rents by. Now that applies statewide and that applies to pretty much all residential uh, investment properties. There's some exceptions, but most of the housing doesn't fall within uh, that exception. So, so they've already done that where they basically said, here's, here's how much you can raise rents and they've capped it. Now, by the way, what they haven't capped is how much the sales tax can go up on a property transfer. They haven't capped how much the insurance rates can go up. They haven't capped all the expenses associated with owning it. All they've capped are the income side of it. So you may think, okay, well, fine. You know, we're working through that. Most real estate investors are now familiar with AB 1482 and that terminology, but here's what's coming down the pike. So these are proposed laws that are currently on the books. By the way, California introduces over a thousand new laws every single year. There's no way to keep up on them if you're trying to work a, a regular job with your family. Well, these aren't a thousand real estate laws though. No, but you have to sort through the other stuff to get to what matters to you. So for example, the first one is there's proposed law to have a 25% tax on the net gain from sale of investment property. Now, if that goes into effect, one of the things California started doing is making laws retroactive. So, for example, in the rent control law, they made the rent control law retroactive to before the introduction of the law. So there was no way for you to kind of say, okay, well, increase rents now before the law goes into effect. No, they made it retroactive, so you couldn't even increase rents more than what you were charging before the law was passed. And so... If this 25% tax goes into place, 
they could potentially make it retroactive. Now, that'd be a 25% tax on the net gain from the sale of your investment property. So you sell your rental property, you have another 25% tax on top of the three and a third percent tax on top of any capital gains taxes, it really starts to whittle away. And that's unique to California. But the three and a third percent tax they can get back if they file, the 25% tax they cannot, correct? Yeah, that's right. The 25% tax would just go into the state's coffers. Okay, yep, I get it. The next one that's coming down the pike that affects landlords is you can't use credit reports in making housing decisions. So you have an applicant that applies, you cannot run their credit and use that in your decision-making process. So most credit reports reveal whether or not somebody pays their bills on time. It also can reveal whether or not somebody has prior evictions. And you really have now no way of knowing that unless you're gonna to go to every county in the state of California and go to the courthouse and see if they have an eviction. So they're, they're making it more difficult to screen for bad tenants. Well, what's the reason that they give for not allowing you to see their prior rental history or what's their reason? Well, because they don't think that there's anybody out there that does anything bad. So they believe that everybody has just had some bad breaks, but they're really good people and nobody would ever destroy your property or not pay their bills or, or do anything like that or squat on your property. <laughs> right. And so they just assume that, well, gee, if we allow people to use these credit reports, then, you know, these people never get ahead um, is, is kind of the mentality they adopt without looking at, hey, what actually happens here? Okay, so what about another law? Are there any more? The other one that's coming on the pike, you can't ask about their criminal history uh, when you take an application. So you have an applicant that applies, you can't ask them about their criminal history. So if you have somebody who's a convicted rapist, you can't ask them about that criminal history and potentially not move them into your fourplex or your 16-unit apartment building. But do you really think that somebody with a criminal history is going to be honest anyway? Well, but you can run reports that tell you their criminal history. So they can tell you, I don't have a criminal history, but then you used to, be, or you can still, but if they pass this law, you won't, you could run a criminal history report and see what they've been arrested for and what they've been charged with. Whether or not they tell you. Right, whether or not they tell you. California would is got a law introduced to stop that practice. Does that include sexual predators? Yes. However, you can still use Megan's Law's database to, to run them through the database, but you can't use their criminal history. So if they're not what's called the 290 register, where they've got to register as a sex offender. That's the penal code. But they've got um, prior sexual offenses in their criminal history. You may never know that if, not, if they're not required to register. Wow, that's so disturbing. Now, you can use the criminal history. Once you've already approved them, then you can run the criminal history to see what they have. Now, guess who's salivating for this law to pass? Attorneys. Because as soon as you approve somebody and then run their criminal history and then decline them, they have a clear reason why, and it is going to be discriminatory. You have opened yourself up to a huge discrimination lawsuit. Yikes. Last one that come down the pike that affects a landlord. So we talked earlier about the rent control that was passed. Well, hold on a ago. second. Nope. When you say coming down the pike each time, this is something that they're they're attempting, but it's not, it's coming down like it's on its way next year to go into effect. Well, it could be. It's been proposed. It's been introduced as a law. It's going through the legislative process. And if Newsom were to sign it, these laws could go into effect effective January do you, 1. Do you actually have the law? I mean, do you actually have the bill numbers that we can put on our um podcast yeah okay well we'll include those in our uh right below where our podcast is so you guys can see what they are in the show notes thank you there in you the go. show notes and uh yeah so the last one so we talked a little bit about the rent control that was passed prior to covid and what that basically says is hey you can't increase rent 
either they had a formula for the consumer price index and there was a cap on it. it could go up to 10%, but it couldn't go any higher than the consumer price index for your particular area. So right now there would be no rent increases of 10%. This law that's been pr proposed and introduced would cap rents at 5% or the rate of inflation, whichever is less. So under no circumstances could you ever raise rent more than 5% on a current tenant. So you have all these laws coming down the pike that are going to make it really, really difficult because if you have a tenant that stays there for 10 years, and by the way, it's almost impossible to get a tenant out now if they're paying their rent on time and everything else, you decide you want to you know, increase rent. You can't ask a tenant to leave for that reason. So you may have a tenant there for 10, 15 years, and the most you can increase rents are 5%, but the costs of owning that property are going to increase far greater than 5% over that 10 or 15-year period. So it makes it almost unprofitable to hold on to that property and then good luck selling it with a tenant in place because most investors don't want to buy that that house right about now i'm rethinking the title of our podcast this episode should be are you depressed yet because i'm getting depressed and i'm not even there well you see you don't have to be depressed because you have alternatives so one of the things you can do is you can sell your property in california before these laws go into effect by the way the everybody hears about the uh the tax that they're proposing to you know tax residents after they leave the state one of the ways you're talking about doing that is through the sale of residential property that you sell and then you transfer that money out of state to another residential property. They try to keep, they're going to try to keep their hooks in that. You're That's not a law yet, but they're proposing that. You're talking about the exit tax. Yeah, basically. Okay. But you see, you have alternatives though, so you should have hope because you can sell your house in California right now and you don't have to pay capital gains. You can do what's called the 1031 exchange and roll that that money over into a rental property here in Tennessee and defer those capital gains. Not everybody has an alternative alternative choice. So there are some people that are really stuck in California with somebody who's sick or with caring for a loved one, or, you know, there's a lot of reasons why some people aren't able to get here. I mean, here's a good one, um, not a good one, but here's an example. Uh, when COVID was happening, I felt like I was taking 911 calls again because you had people with small businesses calling and crying as their as their businesses were shut down. And I remember one lady specifically, in, she was in her late 60s and her salon was shut down. She had a reverse mortgage on her home, still paying for the rent. Now that woman had almost nothing left by the time COVID was done. She can't leave now. So there are people who are probably desperate to leave that can't. So I, I, I do want... We want all of our listeners to know we do have sympathy for those of you who can't leave. Oh, of course. I mean, you have all those circumstances. And, and yeah, we're sympathetic to the situation. The person says, hey, I, I can't leave for whatever reason. The point of this podcast is to educate you about the current state of California and to, to let you know there are alternatives if you're available to take advantage of them. So like I mentioned earlier, one is a 1031 exchange. You take that property in California, you sell it, you roll that money over into a property in Tennessee. There's a lot of you know, rules on that. So you'll want to talk to us about that to make sure we do it right. I'm not going to go into that on this podcast, but there are alternatives. And on a positive note, to be encouraged about this, one of the reasons we're doing this episode is so many of our clients uh, are have moved uh, their investment properties from California to Tennessee with our real estate company, even before they moved their primary residence. And so many others that got here uh, I like to say a lot of Californians, they, they want to have a good nest egg, get a house that's within their means and get a good nest egg. And so many of our clients uh, have gone on to buy their first 
investment property, which it, I really feel almost like a, a mama hen here when we see our clients moving into not just their primary residence, but actually doing something uh, to bring them positive cash flow and, uh, you know, kind of that, that check in the mail while you sleep. Well, and a lot of clients in California that have held their properties since, you know, the 0708 recession, they might have enough equity in their California home to, to buy a primary residence here in Tennessee and an investment property in Tennessee. I mean, housing prices here, while they've had a tremendous run up, are still affordable, comparable to places like California and New York and Illinois. And the other positive between uh, California and Tennessee, when you do roll over your equity into a property here, our rents, I'm just speaking specifically on Middle Tennessee, the Nashville area, our rents are pretty comparable to a lot of areas in California, which which still can give you some cash flow. And that's very encouraging. I, I wanna really encourage those of you who've been watching prices go up, up and up, don't give up because there is still room for you to get cash flow here if you put money down and you buy within your means and you're patient. And so many of our clients, I mean, I think ultimate wealth is built when you take a lot of solid baby steps, really. And and we're not the kind of investors that are, you know, try and bat the grand slam because we've had a few things that have been a little bit, um, what's that, why are you laughing? What did I say wrong? Just bat a grand slam. What did you say? You, you hit a grand slam. Okay, you hit a grand slam. You hit it with a bat. So. Okay. I'm going to hit a bat somewhere. That was was a slam dunk. Yeah, was it? Okay, that was a goalpost win. Okay, but anyway, so what I'm saying is be encouraged. Uh, You know, we we say this a lot in the podcast. When is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago and today. So be encouraged that today is the day that, that you're listening to this episode and today is the day that maybe you need to reach out to us and ask a few questions. And if that's the case, you can email us at info at maplewoodrealty.net. That's info at maplewoodrealty.net. And we'll get somebody to give you a call back and talk about your situation. So back to the laws. Are there any other laws that we need to be aware of, Paul? Well, you know, the main thing to keep in mind, because right now as people are thinking about, gee, do I want to be a landlord? And of course, one of the first things I think about is, oh man, I hear about eviction horror stories and, you know, people being in there for months and months and years and years. And in both California and Tennessee, those horror stories are the exception, not the rule, right? I mean, we hear about the horror stories because they're just that. I mean, there's no news story about, oh, that flight landed safely. It's the flight that had trouble that makes the news because that's the exception, not the rule. So most evictions don't go on months and months. Now, if you're comparing California and Tennessee, right now, for example, in Sacramento County, it is taking about six months from beginning to end to have a tenant evicted predominantly because of the backlog in the court system there that they're working through, that it takes so long to get paperwork processed. Now in El Dorado County, it's taken about six to eight weeks to get that done. Again, they don't have the backlog there that Sacramento County does, so a lot of it is county specific. But it's gonna take a minimum six to eight weeks, even under the best of circumstances, to, to evict a tenant in California that's causing problems. And how much would that cost? that six to eight weeks for an attorney on average in California if you need to evict someone? If you're hiring an attorney to do the eviction, you know, you're probably looking anywhere from 1,500 to 3,000, again, depending on what county you're in. And if you decide to do it on your own, you're still looking at about eight to $900 in, in costs that are for the court filing fee and all that stuff. So it's not a cheap endeavor. 
by any stretch of the imagination. And comparably to Tennessee, what does it cost here? Yeah, so Tennessee is a little bit different. Tennessee has different laws that apply to different counties. So there's about six counties, seven counties. Because of their population, there's a different set of laws that apply. Uh, the process is still generally the same, though. So if you do buy in Tennessee, you want to make sure you know the laws for your specific county. But in Tennessee, it really takes about four weeks from beginning to end to get the eviction done. Um, you know, court costs here run about $300 to get the eviction done. Attorney might charge anywhere from $500 to $1,500 to do the eviction, depending, again, on what county you're in. And it's a much easier process uh, to, to do here. So, you know, don't let that fear of, oh, my gosh, I don't want to have a nightmare eviction stop you from, from pursuing that goal. Just keep in mind, it is part of the business. And uh, here in Tennessee, it's a lot easier than California. And I think that at least... I'm only speaking of our experience with investment properties. And so we're residential investment property owners. And in California, we were the same. And so there, I found that it was very common to have to evict tenants. Whereas here, it, they seem to be, I think we've what, had one eviction in the t 10 years? Something like that. Maybe. I, know, I think one. And in California, <sighs> It's, it's like they knew the laws better than landlords knew the laws. And they took such advantage of the system that it was so problematic to, and it was just such a headache to have those properties in California. Where here in Tennessee, it's like they respect the law because they know that they don't have a lot of time if they don't pay their rent. Well, and also to the media in California spends a lot of time talking about all these tenant rights and tenants talk to each other and they think they have rights that they don't have. And they hear about, oh, I'll keep this eviction tied up for months and months and months. Um, and, and so they they believe things that aren't necessarily true, largely because of what the media reports. And it really does a disservice to the tenants because then they get to court and they realize they don't have the rights they thought they had. And they go before the judge and realize that, no, the law doesn't apply the way they thought it did. And so they're really put at a disadvantage. Whereas if the media was just honest with them, they wouldn't end up in the situation that they were in. So now that we've gone down the road of investment and buying and keeping in California and the laws that are coming down the road, possibly, uh, I guess we need to wrap this back up and kind of bring it back around to how we started this podcast. And that was, should we sell our California property uh, for Tennessee property or should we keep the California property and move here and just take some of the equity out of the property? Yeah, I want to answer that question as eloquently as I can. I want to really make sure that I, I pick my words correctly on that to make sure I answer that question. No, you should not keep your property in California. Sell it. Get out of there. Thank you for beating around the bush. We appreciate your input, counsel. Actually, everybody here that just got to listen, they got some free uh, attorney advice. Yeah, yeah, sure. They didn't have to pay your... Uh, that was kind of like a free... No, you get what you pay for. Remember that. <laughs> Okay, so everybody, remember, if you want to talk more about this, about how to invest or what you think you should do, clearly we are not opinionated whatsoever. We would love to help your family make Tennessee home. So when you call us, our job is not to convince you to sell your California home. We're here to educate you. It's ultimately up to you to make the decision you think is best for you. And seriously, there is no judgment. If you say, you know what, California is a place for me, then we wish you nothing but the best. If you decide, hey, we, we need to get out of California and we want to move to Tennessee or any place else. Okay, okay. You just said California is the place for me. I just want to say I loaded up my truck and I moved to Tennessee. 
I don't say whatever you want. That is totally what everybody just thought. Everyone just thought that. Right, and now they'll remember it. But the point is, we're here to educate you. We want you guys to make the best decision for your family. If that's staying in California, hey, we're rooting for you. We wish you nothing but the best. If it's moving to Tennessee, we're rooting for you. We wish you nothing but the best. And we want to help you make Tennessee home. Okay, does that sound good? Sounds good. All right, guys. Remember, info at maplewoodrealty.net and let us help you make Tennessee home. Thanks for listening to Exodus California Moving to Tennessee. We are so grateful for listeners like you. Show us your appreciation and subscribe and share this podcast with all your friends and family. And if you'd like to talk to somebody from our office, you can email us at info at maplewoodrealty.net. That's info at maplewoodrealty.net. And we can get you started on your own personalized real estate listings because we'd love to help you make Tennessee home. All right, darling. Barbecue's ready.